Hey, Redheads. I'm Adrian, And I'm Stephanie. And we're really excited because today we're talking about the redhead lifestyle. Stephanie Ooh. and I always say red hair is more than a color. It's a lifestyle. So we're really going to talk about how it is to be a redhead and all the things that come with it, like the redhead jokes, and sometimes the bullying. And the questions that every redhead has probably heard. And even we want to talk about women on TV and how it's really changed the landscape of redheads and the whole platform, which is really exciting. So we'll talk about that. And we have a really gorgeous, super inspiring, hilarious guest today, Julie Klausner. You guys probably know her from Difficult People. And we're really excited to just talk with her and hear what she has to say about being a redhead. So first... Let's talk about redhead jokes, Adrian, and oh my God. what every redhead has heard. I know me personally, I have gotten maybe 10 times in the last several months. Are you a redhead? Is your hair naturally red? From over here, it looks brown. Well, because if you guys know Stephanie, her hair is always like it's def she's definitely 100% a redhead yeah obviously. thank you <laughs> hands <laughs> in the air emoji <laughs> she's really a redhead but sometimes in the summertime it browns out or in the wintertime it browns out it depends and so she's doing she does glosses and stuff but I do but I think a lot of redheads probably have heard that I do use color depositing shampoos I've never tried henna which is on my list and I do at home hair glosses I just feel it's not that it's not enough. It's just, I do it. And then a couple of days later, you know, it fades because it's not a permanent dye, which I don't want a permanent dye, but you really can't win. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think sometimes Stephanie hates that people are like, are you a redhead? But she's such a redhead and Thank she you. has such beautiful freckles. So the thing is myself, Adrian, I've never dyed my hair. And recently, now that I'm in my early thirties, hmm. I've been getting, <laughs> I've been getting freckles like more than ever. Oh, I thought you were going to say a few <laughs> white hairs. <laughs> I am getting some white hairs and we're going to seriously have to do an episode just about red hair and how it goes. Literally my hair is just turning in sections, like little like pieces of white. Like, I picked white. a lot out the other day and she was very upset, but I do want to make a note. Our grandmother on our dad's side, who we dedicated our beauty book to, she went white pretty early on in her life, right? Yeah, yeah. And, I've, and I have honestly, I have had white hairs coming in since I was in high school, but now it's like in prominent places, like in my part or on my si the sides of my hair. Well, you can start using a color depositing shampoo, maybe. I know. I got a few. I know, I know. And that I think that's one of our most asked questions is people's hair is really becoming faded or it's browning out. And so if you head to howtobearedhead.com and if you, we always make sure you can search, but if you search, you can just put in color depositing shampoo or hair fading, and you'll be able to get all the information that you need in terms of the brands we love and how yeah. many times to do it and what to do. And I think when it comes to going back to redhead jokes, so Adrian and I, if you don't know our story, we grew up in a really small small Catholic school in Providence, Rhode Island. Shout out to all the 401 listeners. Hey. But we, our teachers would call us big and little red. And looking, looking back, I think that those, I, I really think they kind of hurt my feelings. 
Did well, they then, hurt yours? Well, yeah, because then like everyone else is saying that. You know, everyone else is calling you Big Red and Little Red. And then it's not like no one wants to really be called that. And I think now like that I'm older, I kind of laugh about it. But when you're younger and you're trying to fit in and then the teacher's pointing you out, I don't I, I really think it wasn't malicious or no, anything. no, it wasn't. <laughs> I think it's because we were the token redheads yeah. out of I mean, I graduated my eighth grade class with 20 kids and yeah, and I was the by far the fairest skin and redhead. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it, it, it takes a process and to even like know how to be a redhead. And that's how we came up with how to be a redhead, because we, we you know, it was just Stephanie and I alone, basically, in this environment of, of beautiful Italian. and you know. Which makes <laughs> me bring up the point. Do you remember prom when I had to call you and you had to meet me in the Nordstrom bathroom to redo my makeup. Oh my so, God. I think that was the start of how to be a redhead. I really do. And that was what, 20? That was that 2000. No, no, I graduated high school in 07. So that was 05. You were a senior okay. in high school. We're two okay. years apart, everyone. We're not twins. I know. But so this is a situation that happened. Two of my best friends, one's Portuguese, one's Italian. They made appointments, at, I think the Bobby Brown makeup counter. And I joined because it was right before prom and I wanted to get my makeup done by a professional makeup artist. So I go, the makeup artist asks me what color my dress was. It was hot pink, which I think <laughs> is a great flattering color on redheads if done right. So she didn't ask me really anything that I wanted for my makeup, but I really didn't know. You know, I was like 14, 15 years old. Well, let's just say the end result was pink matte, pink eyeshadow all the way up to my eyebrows. Yeah. And then she used this really, really light brown mascara that just did not compliment me at all. We're black and mascara lovers. Yeah. We always have been. And then the foundation she used on my face it literally, she hid every single freckle, looked so caked on. So anyway, I had to call Adrian and she had to meet me at the Nordstrom bathroom and redo it all. And I had to buy makeup. And I think the makeup artist was looking at me as if to be like, why is she buying all this makeup? Her makeup's done. But anyway, that was a really low point <laughs> no, yeah, you in my see, beauty life. Uh, we have a video that we uploaded to YouTube and it was talking about a specific palette that we had in our H2 bar box. And if you've been following us for a while, you know that we have this beauty box called the H2 bar box that sends it out monthly to all of our beautiful redhead subscribers. Anyway, there was this wonderful palette that we had in and we had pink in it. And when we were testing the products months and months and months ago, Stephanie said, I'm so nervous <laughs> to have this palette in the box because redheads are going to feel like maybe pink isn't good for them. Or maybe like, cause of this. And we talked about the story that Stephanie had in this Nordstrom bathroom, like remember the pink that she used. And I said, I know, but we, to this day use pink and why not put it into the palette and say that you can use it as a blush. You can use it as an eyeshadow. So if you head to our YouTube, you can see these cool videos we did with these palettes but redheads can wear pink, but the secret is to blend it with really warm, neutral shades. And so I think this is what like the birth of how to be a redhead and like the whole lifestyle of being a redhead is like knowing how to do certain things to be your best self. And for us, it's always been, you know, that we always had to know what to do. And it hasn't always been easy. You no, know, it hasn't. It's definitely been trial and error. For example, I probably should have gone to the makeup 
artist there that day and told her exactly what I wanted, maybe showed her some inspirational photos. But I mean, we didn't have social media or iPhones. So I was really out of luck. And and honestly, talking about, about, you know, getting your makeup done at that time, that was 2005, there weren't any really big celebrity redheads like there are now to look up to and to say that. wait did you see Jessica Chastain with her red lipstick on the red carpet last week I want to emulate that look and I think a lot of makeup artists now who are working at these beauty bars and and things they look at these redheads and they're like oh if I ever have redhead client come in I would love to do this look on her and I think that's really really changed how redheads one go about their makeup two go about their look I think you know for instance talking about pink Stephanie and I we're always told you shouldn't wear pink. We wore pink anyway. We wore red. It. Right. And you can wear all these colors. Just your makeup has to be a certain way in order to make your red hair stand out even more and, you know, do all those certain things. And I think now, like even Stephanie and I were talking about sharp objects on, on HBO. HBO. And we were saying how beautiful Amy Adams is. And I really feel like she's 10, 15, gorgeous. I know 10, 15 years ago, there wouldn't have been a redhead on a main screen like that. It was just, it was Julianne Moore, who was just about, I remember I loved her then, but she wasn't as famous as she is now. No. And I feel like even her looks are getting more daring in well, terms of makeup. Well, even so, I think with this HBO show, it's so cool to tune in on a Sunday night and watch her when a lot of redhead celebrities that we love, Adrian and myself, we talk about, are more on the movie aspect. I think, right. and not the TV, TV show. I think it's awesome. Netflix has so many shows out right now that show redhead actresses, new redhead actresses too. So I think it's really amazing to see that redheads are getting to be not even in shows, but actually starring in. Like I think right. Amy Adams looks gorgeous in Sharp Objects. She doesn't wear a lot of makeup because of her role. She can't, right. you know, it's not really her character. But I think her hair looks so gorgeous. It does. Those like flowy, effortless locks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really amazing. And especially I don't have cable. Neither does Adrian. But <laughs> we do get basic channels. And we, it's, we, we have HBO and Showtime. Yeah. And Netflix and Hulu <laughs> and Amazon Prime. No, we, <laughs> we don't. And I love Twitter. Sometimes you guys, I'll say Twitter, which yeah. is my Rhode Island accent coming out. So if I say that or add R's where A's should be or vice versa. It's just, it's just who I am. But I think it's really cool when we are watching TV to see all the redheads on commercials Yeah, and they're everywhere. And yeah. I think a study came out a few years ago, we've written about it where a lot of commercials do have redheads because redheads are kind of a selling point. Red hair is very vibrant. It's recognizable, it's noticeable. And after the commercial, a lot of people um, will remember a redhead. Yeah. So I think that's really cool to see. And I get really excited when I see a redhead on a TV commercial. Well, I think too, it's like, we'll definitely probably do an entire episode on this, but Stephanie went blonde for many years because she hated her red hair. And sometimes I'm wondering if we had the redhead celebrities we have now who are such good examples 
if Stephanie would have thought it was cool to be a redhead and maybe wouldn't have dyed her hair? What I do you think? I don't think so. I don't think I would have dyed it. I think it was so me. you don't think you would have dyed it? I oh, d- I thought you meant that you would have dyed it anyway. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I would not have dyed it. Yeah, probably not. Right. But yeah. I think the only person, I'm trying to think, when we were younger, Titanic was our favorite movie and Grease. And Kate Winslet was a redhead in the movie. Yeah, yeah. But... Yeah, I, don't, I guess I didn't relate to her being a redhead. And also I was finding myself where I didn't really love my hair. Obviously, I dyed it for seven plus years. And um, I think like when we started How to Be a Redhead in 2011, we had this idea like there, Christina Hendricks was on Mad Men. Yeah, but that, that was more in high school. I mean, college. No, I know, but I think that that's why we oh. ended up starting How to Be a Redhead because we were like, well, right. great, all these redhead celebrities are coming about. Jessica Chastain wasn't as big as she is now. And no, we she thought, wasn't, even though, and in The Help, the first movie that she- She wore a wig. She wore, was blonde. Yeah. So I don't, yeah. So I think, and also we didn't really love country music. And I know Reba McIntyre yeah. is, uh, she is amazing. But when I talk to a few redheads that are my age- they always say to me, oh my God, growing up, didn't you just love Reba? But we didn't, <laughs> a couple of people, a couple of people I've, I know, <laughs> no I've met. ever said that to me. <laughs> yeah, I know a couple I of mean, girls. I mean, I loved Reba too. I know a couple of girls that have said to me, oh my God, Reba <laughs> growing up. And I remember when our mom would put on country music, Adrian and I would scream at her <laughs> to turn it off. Remember B101? No. Yeah, we would say mom and pull over because she would just blare pull country over. music. That was aggressive. And we pull we over. wanted we wanted like 93, 92.3, remember? 92.3, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And remember yeah. they're all the radio stations. So I think I think now I think we can all say as redheads that they're getting they are flaunting on the red carpet. Mm-hmm. They are shining in magazines. They're on social media. They're they're just making a name for themselves, all these celebrities. And I think it's really great for redheads in general. And I think it's good for the younger generation now too, too. especially with all the social media and everything out there. A lot of these celebrities too are super empowering and super confident and really sending out great messages for redheads and non-redheads, young and old, but I think it's great. I don't know. Shall we talk about our guest and how amazing she is talking about how I think that she's truly a woman ahead of her time. And I think that she's also a great example of someone who's just authentically herself. And I love her so much. I think she's so great. Yeah. So shortly we're going to be calling in Julie Klosner and we, she is amazing. So she's the author, comedian, podcaster. She had a podcast years ago. Way ahead of her time. I told you. Way ahead. So we're going to have to talk to her about About that. that. She's a writer. She's widely known for co-creating writing, starring in the Hulu sitcom Difficult People alongside Billy Eichner. Yeah. Isn't he He funny? Amazing. (laughs) He is so funny. He's so funny. He's like a Ross in Friends. He is. Right? But, But like 2018. Yeah. And a little he, different. But he's so funny. He reminds me a lot of the guy from Crashing. A little bit? A little bit. A little bit. But not as nerdy. He's more like in your face New York, which I love. Yeah. And if you didn't know, Difficult People's executive producers, Amy Poehler, which she's 
Amazing. So her podcast, How Was Your Week, was called one of the few essential podcasts by the New York Times. And if you were at the Rocket Like a Redhead event in 2013 in New York City, it really does. You may also remember Julie and her hilarious How Was Your Week crew who covered the beauty event. So we're so excited to have her on. I know, because Amy Poehler, I mean, think about someone who is so funny. Um, She said about Julie, read everything Julie Klausner writes and listen to everything Julie Klausner says. She's hilarious, wise, and smarter than you. I adore her. That's why we're so excited. I want Amy to say that about me. (laughs) I know, me too, right? So that's why I think today's conversation with her is going to be so fun, because I think that we have to listen to Amy Poehler's advice and soak in everything that Julie has to say. So Can't let's get wait. her on. The H2 Bar Box, a monthly beauty subscription box for redheads. Each box is worth $80 plus, and each product is redhead-friendly approved. Head to h2barbox.com to subscribe and use code PODCAST to receive 20% off. So much better. Hello. Hey, hey Julie. Julie. We know that you're really busy, Julie, so we appreciate you coming on. Oh, you're being very kind. I am not busy lately at all, but I'm always happy to make time for you, whether or not I am or aren't. I love your Instagram. Both of us do so much. Oh, and you're, great. Your cat. You have one cat, right? Oh, my God. He's such a, he's such a spoiled prince. <laughs> he's, so, <laughs> he's so beautiful, though. I'm I know. Like, he really <laughs> Thank you. He's really, he's, he's very handsome. Oh, I'm so, well, we were going to just start asking questions. Are you cool with that? I'm ready. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. First of all, we were talking before this because we did a little intro about you. And um, we were talking about how you're literally like you did a podcast way before, Mm -hmm. like you were way ahead of your time with the podcast. So I was very, I was way ahead of my time. How did you, can you tell our audience, how did you get into a podcast? Well, I um, had been doing guest appearances for years on my friend Tom Sharpling's radio show mm. on WFMU, and and that kind and his show really preceded the podcast thing. Like it was a radio show, and then it was also a podcast. And I liked nothing more than going on his show and being his guest, and you know, kind of like just chatting and being funny with my funny friend. Um, and um, and then one day, about, I guess it was like nine years ago, eight or nine years ago, um, Patton Oswald just tweeted, because he had sent me really nice emails after I'd, I'd you know, been on Tom's show, and he said, like, on, he was like, you're so funny on that show, and I was like, oh my god, thanks, that's the best compliment, because it's my favorite thing to do, and then he tweeted randomly, like, why doesn't, you know, Julie Klausner have her own um, podcast or radio show? He just, like, publicly tweeted that, and I was like, oh, I've been, you know shamed into starting one and so I I was trying to figure out like okay if I was going to do one what would I do and and then at the at the time I was um on deadline for like my my second book I was supposed to write this young adult book so what I did is I I made a reservation at this um hotel like at the end of like I think it was like past New Haven it was in Connecticut and it was like on a an icy like you know winter storm and I I borrowed my parents' car and I packed the car with like all these journals. This is related, I promise. I packed it with all these like these these old journals, and I was like, I'm gonna check into this hotel and I'm not gonna check out until my book is finished. And I got there and everybody at the hotel was like, There's a winter storm coming, like 
you know, just so you know, you might not be able to check out for like five days. And I was like, got it. And I got back in the car and I was like, fuck that. I'm not staying in like this icy town for an indefinite amount of time, like the shining. And while I drove back to the city, I was listening to uh, Mark Maron's show. I was listening to WTF and it was the episode that he had Gallagher on. And I just remember everybody being like, this episode is so crazy. And while I was listening to it, it just sort of inadvertently occurred to me like, Oh, I can do this. Like he has like 15 minutes of like, you know, a monologue at the top of the show and I could do that and I could do like an interview with someone. And so that's just sort of how I figured out what the, the format would be. And then when I got back to town, I just kind of was like, okay, you know, I'm not really a stand-up, So how can I do a monologue? And I just thought, well, if I do it, like I'm recapping my week, then I could just sort of go by the week and say like, well, this is what I did Sunday. This is what I do, did Monday night, et cetera. So then I just sort of, you know, try to use that as a, as a guideline for my monologues. And then they became a little bit more like free associative, but by then I had already had like a format and it was also just like free and easy enough. Um, and, uh, I could self publish and no one would come to me with like notes or anything. So it was a really great way to like figure out my voice and express myself for, I think I did it for like four or five years nonstop. Like there was never, I never missed a Friday. Like I remember coming into the city during the, the, like the blackout, like the hurricane Sandy blackout. And oh being yeah. Like, I'm yeah. And I like, I walked, in, I walked into Manhattan from I was staying with my boyfriends in Brooklyn at the time. And like, I remember like walking up the 10 flights of stairs because my building's elevator wasn't working and like getting my podcast equipment and going back to, to like, Brooklyn to record it I would never do that now (laughs) but at the time I I was you know very excited about this you know very and very committed and probably a little OCD about it too well I think that's why it was so popular because I remember Julie when you were at our 2013 Rocket Like a Redhead event yeah people were coming up to me like I am such a fan of her podcast and I have to oh, say awesome. at, at that point I knew what your podcast was but I had never actually listened, listened to, to any podcast here. before and so I was like you are super ahead of your time because you know we're just doing it now and it's 20 I know <laughs> I, I love I love podcasts I listen to them all the time when I'm like cleaning up or cooking or whatever and and I'm just so you know lucky to have had that form to express myself with because so much of that begat the story ideas on difficult people. Like I wrote the pilot for difficult people based on there were like three or four, you know, things that had happened in my life, you know, from real life that I had discussed on the show that I kind of like drew from as far as coming up with like a story for the the pilot episode. Um, So it became like the podcast became, you know, almost like this big sketchbook that I could return to when I wanted to like make something out of it like a you know the if the script is like a painting in that metaphor I guess right and you know everyone loved difficult people Julie Stephanie and I have watched every episode we love it so much so funny (laughs) thank you I I love it too if I may say so myself it was just so well done and you it just I feel like it's going to be one of those episodes or one of those shows that is timeless, you know, and I know I saw it in your Instagram that people keep asking you when season mm-hmm. another season and you're like, it's canceled and they just don't yeah. want to take it. And so we wanted to know how it was like to create such an iconic show, you know, with like such a great co-star with Amy Poehler. Yeah. And how was that experience? 
oh, it was the best. It was like winning the lottery. Like there was no bad part. Like the only bad part was the stress of like, you know, we have to get this done in like an insane amount of time. And, and, you know, are we going to get another season and just like production stress, but there was really nothing. I, I mean, I was just like the luckiest person in the world to be able to create this show with Amy's help and her like protection in that big sister kind of way. Um, and I got to do it with a network that pretty much let us do whatever we wanted creatively. Like there wasn't a lot of back and forth about like, oh, that reference is too obscure or this makes Billy and Julie seem not very likable or there really weren't any notes like that. So we had the freedom to, you know, write whatever we wanted. Um, and then, you know, just back to Amy, like Amy Poehler, everything you like, you think that you know about her is like, true but like times a million as far as wow. how great she is like she's people like you know project they're like oh I wish she was my big sister and you know obviously with celebrity there's like a certain amount of you know well that's in your imagination or that's like her brand or whatever but with Amy like she's just completely the real deal like she totally is this wonderful you know supportive like hilarious person who's also very like you know she's like a mama bear she's really protective of her creators and her you know like she she was always on board to stand up for me if someone was like I don't think that's funny and and she'd be like I I do and then that would be the end of the conversation because like you're oh, gonna, gonna argue with her so. because like what she says goes right because- well exactly and it's also just like well who am I like to judge what's funny? Like Amy Poehler is probably a better judge. And right. I got that, um, you know, people would give me the benefit of the doubt. And, and then also on top of that, like her notes, because you know, the, she was so involved as a producer. Like there's a lot of producers that are kind of producers in name only, like they'll kind of put their name on something and you step back and just sort of collect the checks. Like she's not, um, she was involved in every step of the way, like every wow. decision, even like micro decisions, like things about like casting locations. Like she was not that casting is micro, but like even like small parts she would like weigh in on. And then every outline that we would hand to her before we'd hand to the network, like she would weigh in on and then we would make changes before we would send it to Hulu. So she was just like a very, very involved producer creatively and and her contributions only made the show better um and she was also you know I just like can't say enough good things about Amy Poehler like she was really the first person to you know because I had written this spec script basically a spec script is something that you write for free because Mm -hmm. you really want to make it and I showed it to people I showed it to her and she really liked it and it was really her idea to like make it about my friendship with Billy. Like I kind of written it more like a curb your enthusiasm kind of thing where I was like Larry David. And he was like, oh. I, I always knew that like, I always knew that he was going to be my best friend on it, but she was like, if this show is about your guys's friendship, then you guys can be able to get away with anything because you love each other. And that's the heart of the show. And because yeah. people see that you love each other, you could be terrible in the world in other ways. But, like, as Ian, you know, absolutely fabulous, like, seeing two characters that really do have this, like, familial attachment goes a really long way as far as the character, you know, being likable. And then she also came up with the the title for the show. So she really helped me develop, you know, to, to take the script and make it into, like, a pitch for, like, a series. 
that's um, that's just, incredible. Yeah, every step of the way, she was there. Yeah, we were we were thinking about difficult people, and we were talking about your red hair, and we were talking about all the you know everything about you and what a timeless show it is. And you said this particular quote that I had read, and I loved it. And it said um, that you your character said things other people didn't want to say because they were afraid of burning bridges, but that the two characters you created didn't have any bridges to burn. And I just love that because I was like, that's just something that everyone should aspire to be, right? Like not even if you have red hair, but really just anyone should just aspire to just kind of just be themselves. And I think that that was the beauty of the characters, right? Like they were just themselves and who cares what anyone Mm -hmm. else thinks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. And then I also think, you know, just creatively, like if you're trying to write something that's really special and really good and really you know, connect with people, then you owe it to yourself and to your work and to the people that you'd be connecting to audience wise to be as uncomfortably truthful as you Mm. can. Because I think that that's sort of the, the secret is not writing to what people, what you think people want um, and trying to protect yourself along the way and, and almost like doing, you know, damage control to your reputation and acting like a, a publicist. And it's more important that you kind of like put all of your cards on the table and just sort of show yourself as as ugly and mean and, and however you really think that you are deep in your id. And the more honest you are, the more likely it is that people will actually that that, that will break through and make it make it unique because it's it's you know you and it's truthful. But yeah. on top of that, it will also just there, there'll be like a nice sort of cathartic element of people watching it to sort of say oh wow like they said that and like nothing really terrible happened to them like maybe I should really you know say say (laughs) what I feel or what I think and the odds are you know the more authentic you are the more likely you are to be um unique in like the landscape of people everybody's like you know doing a show or trying to launch something um that's sort of the, the truest you can be to yourself I think and I think like when a lot of people see a redhead on TV, I feel like automatically they're like, oh, Lucille Ball. I don't know why, but I've heard a lot of people like maybe with Deborah messing with Will and Grace. And I feel like I had read some reviews about difficult people and some people were making comments about your red hair. And there was just one and it said, um, but real life Julie and TV Julie part ways in many respects, but the red hair and the mischief (laughs) are all the same. And I love that. Rapid fire. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, I wonder, you know, if there was any influence from another redhead like Lucille Ball or was it just truly authentic and you just have red hair <laughs> I was like I was wondering if there was any kind of correlation with it I think there's always you know like people project on you what they expect and when you're a redhead I think that there's always an element of like people are gonna say she's fiery or she's sassy or you know I people the, the most annoying is when people are like you must be a fire sign and you're like oh why because fire is red too <laughs> just 
you know, when you see people that look like you on television, which is why, you know, this conversation about diversity is so important, you have more of a connection to what you're watching. So, you know, growing up, I was always obsessed with like Tina Louise on Gilligan's Island and Ginger and reruns. And like, and I remember when like Julie Brown had her TV show on MTV, like the say Julie, and she was really cool and sexy and had like bright red hair. And she was doing like her own like wacko kind of sketch comedy style. I, I really connected to her. And um, as far as like the Lucy thing, I think, um, I mean, you just have to take it as a compliment because you're like, yeah, if I, if I literally make like a fraction of what that woman had in terms of like money, success, people really (laughs) did love her, you know, I should be so lucky. So when people compare you, you just have to be like, oh yeah, no, I know. Totally. That was what I was going for. So Adrian and I were wondering, was there ever a conversation while or before launching difficult people about not having red hair because we know a lot of celebrities actresses that come about and you know get a character for whether it's a tv show or a movie that like jessica chastain had a wore a blonde wig on the help we talked about earlier was there ever a conversation about not rocking red hair on the show or was it kind of always like a no question this is like I'm gonna my be, hair. Yeah, I'm going to be me. There was never a question on difficult people that like that's who I am and that's who the character is. But I will say, and I was very lucky because I had always written this, you know, for myself to, to star in and to be on camera was very like nerve wracking because I'd never starred in a TV show before. I had, you know, most of my TV experiences behind the camera as a writer. Um, so I was nervous. I, I was especially nervous and ultimately relieved that no one ever told me I had to lose weight. Like that was kind of the thing that I was really anxious about. And, and it never, it just never was a point of conversation. That's amazing. Um, that, that, yeah, that's yeah. that's and, such and a step forward a with society. Right. <laughs> oh, no, no question. No question. But I will say, you know, from like, I, I did have this one experience with a, it was one of these like general meetings. People in show business love meetings because like, it's a way to spend their day and then you get to like <laughs> I love your realness that's awesome yeah exactly <laughs> um so there people take a lot of meetings where they just go in and they're like hi this is what I do and they're like okay good to know we'll keep you in mind have a nice life and then they collect their you know their paychecks and health insurance and you go home trying to figure out how you're going to feed yourself but um I did go on this one general years and years ago with Bravo and um I was telling them, you know, I might want to develop my podcast and be like a talk show at some point because I really like that that form. I love like Graham Norton and I, I like that panel yeah. kind of chat show form. And she was like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, listen, you know, would you be up for dyeing your hair? Because we have Kathy Griffin and she has a talk show on our network. Oh. And I just remember being wow. like, what? Are we like up to, are we up to this conversation yet? Because it seems to me that you wouldn't want to approach someone about changing their appearance until the check has cleared. Like until you have a strong commitment that you're like, no, we want to make a show with you. Right. Even, even then I think it's a little, you know, dicey or shitty or, or just, you know, it, it's not, it's not the, it's not the greatest thing to hear, especially when you just walk in off the street and you're like, you know, this is part of who I am. Just like people who have curly hair or people who have always worn their hair really short. For some reason, when you're on camera, it, it, I, I think it's the more acceptable, um, you know, like domain for people to weigh in on. But I will say, like, having left that 
general meeting with absolutely like no intention of ever seeing or speaking to people again. I was a little appalled by that, like boundary wise. <laughs> yeah. You know, I remember when I was actually dating someone in high school and they asked me to dye my hair. And I was like, why would I do that? And I never talked to him again because I thought, you're a you know, loser. that like, yeah, you're a loser. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to be me. Yeah. And who? why would I want to be with someone who really doesn't like me? I guess it's the same thing with you. Like, why would you want to do a show if you're me. not going to yeah. be you? That's not. It's, yeah, that's very bizarre because you're also dealing with someone that was attracted to you conditionally, like that they, you know, they saw yeah. who you are. Yeah, like, exactly. But celebrating who you are, they were like, I see what she could be. Like, I see the potential. I see the, the statue that could be carved out of that slab of stone. And you're like, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I thought this was a relationship where, you know, two people who sort of unconditionally liked each other would deepen and grow as a couple. I guess that isn't happening anytime soon. How about, how about people you've dated? Do they, do they always love your red hair? I assume so because it's just such an important part of who I am. Like right. I just never, I've never not had it. So it's to, to me, I just, um, and I have like <laughs> the other side of it is like, I, I've gone out with people and I found out that like all their exes have red hair too. So that's oh my God, that's yeah, awesome. Like, oh, that's they have a thing for redheads. Yeah, that kind of, I don't know. I don't know why honestly, it like, grossed out. <laughs> you, yeah. You find that out and you're like, okay, cool. You know, <laughs> Um, what can I say? We're, we're irresistible. I'm not going to blame the guy. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, what about, what about growing up? Like, I know I feel the same way you do, Julie. I think Stephanie was a little different, but I just always had red hair. Like we both Mm -hmm. did, but I, I feel like it was just a part of me that I didn't even really recognize until people brought it up. But did you have a hard time growing up as a redhead or was it pretty easy Um, with your environment? It was, I mean, it's always challenging because you're going to get attention. And I think, you know, you're going to get attention from strangers and people are going to just approach you and say things that are like not appropriate or just not socially like normal. And you kind of can't be incognito. Um, I remember in college, I got a C in photography. And one of the reasons was my professor was like, you know, like when you're not here, we notice because you have this bright red hair. And I was like, that never occurred <laughs> oh to me. Gosh. Like, oh, so if I'm going to cut classes, I should consider like a wig or a hat. Got it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thanks for the heads but, up. <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. I was like, oh, okay, got it. No, I deserve this tea. I was never here. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, growing up, I think it just has to do with how comfortable you are with unsolicited attention. Um, and especially like, you know, you're a little kid, like, Adults are going to come up to you and talk to your parent. Oh, she's cute. How old is she? Like, I think that's part of the course of being a kid. But, um, but on top of that, having red hair, like, I don't know. There's a lot of questions that aren't answerable, like rhetorical ones. Like, where'd you get it? Or yeah. is that your real color? And then you're like, yeah. And then you're like, is this conversation over? Do you have any follow-ups? You know? um, so it depends on how... Like, I, I think it's like anybody else, like, are you, am I in the mood to have a conversation with a stranger on the street, whether or not they mean well, um, or do I just want to like get to where I'm going without having to like be nice to someone that I don't know. It, and I, and I also think, you know, with girls too, there's so much that comes along with yeah. telling girls what they look like, you know, like, wow, you have red hair or you're tall or you're short and you don't know what to say. Like you say, thank you or whatever it is, but just the idea that being a girl that your appearance is so important that people will just come up to you and comment on that is something that you get used to, but is never not 
weird, I guess, even when people mean well. And do you love your red hair now? Do you feel like you you just always love it? Because Julie, this is Adrian, but I'm getting little white hairs. <laughs> I'm like, oh, am no. I alone? <laughs> oh no. Well, the plague. Alone. I heard, I heard redheads go white quicker. Yeah, I think um, that's. That, I'm hoping that that's why. <laughs> yeah, but then you could do the like amazing. You could rock the like Bonnie Raitt, you know, witch streak. Like that's yeah, good. That's I, an amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, look, how many people in the hair coloring industry are used to hearing like, "Oh, I want to be a redhead now." Like they have the supplies. They can like, they can they can work with people like us that never had the choice and go you know retroactively to like, "Oh, okay, we're trying to restore what you naturally have," as opposed to like, "Oh, this girl feels like looking like you know Amy Adams this week." Um, but I will say, yes, I totally love it. Um, I've always liked it in as in as much as my relationship to myself has been positive. Like if I feel good about myself, then I like my hair. If I don't like myself, I don't like my hair. It's just a part of who I am in the same way that you like your sense of humor or your face or yeah. your you know like how you how good you are at things that you like to do. Um, that's that's my attitude towards it. There was only one time when I was in high school and I decided to dye my hair and I, I did this like really dark kind of. Um, almost like that that cheesy 90s like burgundy like that feria kind wow, of wow so you did that <laughs> I did it in high school it was a rinse out oh and it was I a rinse out it. That's yeah good. And, I, and I did it because I was well I was a teenager and I was like I'm gonna be you know I'm gonna experiment with who I'm not as well as who I am and I also wanted to see like how much of myself was basically to see like if people would recognize me and people would sort of acknowledge me as myself or if it would change me that much. Um, and it was, as I look back, like I was kind of more depressed without it. I definitely wow. feel like I wasn't quite, you know, myself. And, and, and I do think there was like, I, I mean, I'm glad I did it because now I know what that's like, but um, I would never do it again. It's just not, it, it was more like playing a character than it was experimenting with like, what if I was just sort of more like, I fit in with more people. Maybe that's closer to how I want to live my life. That never occurred to me. Yeah. Right. This is Stephanie. I dyed my hair platinum blonde for over seven years. So oh, wow. I, yeah, Adrian and I always, oh, I talk about it with her because when we look at photos, I just can't believe I did it. But yeah, it wasn't, now I look back and now red hair is so a part of who I am. I couldn't imagine, but hey. Absolutely. <laughs> but hey. But hey. <laughs> Of all other hair colors, I do feel like platinum blondes are our, like, sisters. Like, I feel like when I see somebody who's a platinum blonde, I'm like, okay. It's like, you're, we're, <laughs> I feel like we're both very noticeable. We're both very, we have that sort of, like, you know, pin-up category. You know, like, there's mm -hmm. it's not a, people don't go platinum blonde if they don't want to be, like, noticed. And, and it's definitely, like, a very bold uh fashion choice so whenever I see a platinum blob I, I do feel like okay you're like an honorary redhead <laughs> yeah, I love that yeah so Adrian and I we wanted to talk about some of the redhead beauty tips that mm -hmm. you provided that we were so happy that you were involved in the how to be a redhead beauty book so yes. um we wanted to touch upon each one so the first thing that they're you, all hilarious they are well there's so, three of them yeah so okay. the first one is be careful with your eyebrows and please don't go maroon in hope of enhancing what God gave you. Nobody looks good in maroon, including, especially the members of Maroon 5. 
<laughs> so I guess, okay, eyebrows. Did you ever have those moments, maybe when you were younger, when you just, they were very, very thin? I mean, Adrian and I, we got our eyebrows done when we were young and they were very thin. Like we look at photos and you can't even see them. They're so, yeah. we Horrible. totally yeah. butchered that. So do you have any stories or maybe products that you love or anything yes. to do with brows? Oh my God. Well, first of all, I have, the first thing I have is regret. <laughs> uh, because um, I, you know, I was a teenager in the 90s and it was very like, it was very trendy to do that like Drew Barrymore, like that like 1930s, yeah, yeah. really, really thin brow. And oh boy. <laughs> and like wear like a daisy behind your ear <laughs> trying to go for um but uh I, yeah I did that and they never really grew back so I kind of have these like sperm looking you know um eyebrows and then on top of that yeah as you they're exposed to the sun like they get lighter and lighter and you're in this like kind of strawberry blonde territory with your lashes as well as your brows um so I have begun like I dye my lashes once a month at you do. this place oh. yeah in uh in new york city called ilore um e, uh what is it e-y-e-l-u-r-e -E um and they do all like eye related things so they do like lash extensions if you're into that too but i get my lashes darkened because i feel a lot better when i'm wearing mascara like i feel like it kind of um i know what you're saying the color's yeah. right at the root which i like about tints Mm -hmm. Yeah, the color's right at the root. And like I said, like, I like um, sort of grounding my face because I have dark eyes, too. So, like, I like when my, my mascara is on and my brows are dark and I have my eyeliner on because I feel like it makes my hair look more red than, like, that sort of, like, strawberry blonde that just kind of washes my complexion out personally. Um, so I, I try to, like, go darker with that stuff. And then I also swear by this um eyebrow pencil from uh mac mac um called redhead it's oh that one's redhead. awesome that is the best yeah. one right and it is oh my god i mean like how could you not first of all buy something called redhead because I when know. you see that <laughs> you're like okay now i don't need to you know i don't need to like accommodate the 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 like between the dirty blondes and the light browns, like I just know that I'm having a conversation with somebody that knows what that color is. Yeah. Um, and so that I swear by. And then I also, um, what else have I been using lately that I really like a lot? Um, oh yeah, I was just gonna say like I had this one experience where I was considering doing microblading. Oh yeah, yeah for we, my brows. We were thinking I was, about I was doing thinking, it. Stephanie talked me out of it. She said, "I didn't, I didn't yeah. talk you out of it. I just said I that sometimes that me out of it too. Sometimes they look a little harsh." Well, that's what I was worried about. Well, a couple things is because they are semi-permanent. When someone does right. it and you don't like it, you can't hide because mm -hmm. they're your eyebrows are <laughs> in your face. Yeah, but but the other thing is. Well, I went to this, actually, I think I actually went on your guys' website because I was like, okay, these are the only women I'm going to trust if I'm going to do something related to brows because redheads have such unique, you know, coloring with it. And they have such unique, like, like style too. Like the, the part of the brow that's like closer to the nose. Like I like to sort of like almost do like an ombre, like kind of disappear right. and not have like a thick 
like a like a very hard line that starts Same. the eyebrow yep. with like a right angle mm-hmm. or whatever. Like I, I I don't like that. Um, so I found this place. And first they were like, oh, okay, we're going to do this. And I was like, no, I'm here for you to demonstrate what you would do. I would <laughs> hire you to it. And they're yeah. like, oh, okay. So they put me on this table and then they take this. They're like, we only have black. And I was like, okay. So they took a pencil <laughs> and then they gave me like these uneven, like they were, they're like, but you can't picture them black. And I was like, but you use black. So I can't not picture them black when I looked in the mirror. And then I was thinking, like, I can't, these people have no idea what they're what doing. redheads need. Yeah, and then also that I asked them for photos of what it looks like when they're healing, because then they're, like, they, they turn to scabs before they, like, become that nice, like, little tattoo-looking stained line. And they were like, oh, we don't have any photos of what it, because there's, like, two weeks where you have, like, eyebrow-shaped scabs on your face. Which, and again, do you have you sensitive skin? Hide. Um, yeah, yeah, I do. I, I have, do. I think I, all Stephanie redheads does. do, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like thinner skin, so that I feel like it would be like three weeks of healing for me. I have to say, mm-hmm. I would never get personally eyebrow blading, and yeah, I did talk Adrian out of it. A few of the articles that we have done where our um, followers of ours have done their before and afters, it looks amazing. So I do think maybe if we, yeah. you if find we, the if right we all person. went to the right place. Yeah, if you yeah, find the right I mean, person you really trust who yeah. knows how they're doing redhead eyebrows. But I agree with you. I like I like a co- more natural look on my brows with like mm-hmm. more like feathery feather airy in the beginning. I don't yeah, know how to describe so light. it. Because, yeah, because yeah. If, you're, if you're dealing with like the blonde palette, like you're going to have to like disappear into the color of your skin at a certain point. Otherwise it's going to look like somebody took a Sharpie and drew like two brackets. And that's face. how I feel. That's how I think when I look at people who have gotten it done, that's, yeah. it looks like yeah. that. It's Julie, that is really but, funny though. Like having black eyebrows. <laughs> oh my God. I, I saw that in the mirror and I was like, I literally could not get out of there soon enough. They're like, can we give you another makeup wipe? I'm like, I'll wash it off in the cab. Like, just don't, don't touch me. <laughs> I, can't, like, I can't, I can't even tell you how. And then I told my friend Danielle and she was like, what is this? And I was like, well, they, they take a blade and they like, they, they, and she's like, what? It sounds worse than it is. <laughs> I know. But then she also was like, so you're telling me the, when she repeated it back to me, I was like, no, you're right. It's not, it's not the best way of spending it's, my time and money. It's kind of like, I don't know if you have you ever gotten a chemical peel? No, because I'm scared because of my skin being so sensitive. I worry that like by the time I recover from it, I won't be able to tell if it's better than it was when I, if I went in, cause it'll just be so, it'll take so long to like to recover from it. But I know that people who have, have done it say that the results are fabulous. Yeah. And it reminded me of, so we went to go get it done, Adrian and I, and then we were with our parents the next day and I was peeling oh like crazy. It and looked like cheese. It did. Like coming off, it like looked like grated cheese. <laughs> and I knew that it was just going to be a few days of the peeling. And our dad, he has a thick Boston accent, looks at me and goes, ah, come on, what'd you do with your face? (laughs) And when I was describing the procedure, just like how you were describing the microblading to your friend Danielle, he looked at us like you put chemicals on your face. And he was like, ah, come on. And I was like, no, dad, that's not what's happening. (laughs) You need that reality check, though. You need people like your dad who's going to be like, wait, just tell me what you did and why. Yeah. Because you you should be sometimes like in a place where you're like, oh, now that I hear it out loud, maybe I should have just like 
gone to the gym that day or like gone to the library, bought a book or something, something more productive. <laughs> I know. Oh my um, God. Um, but no, that makes me really, um, I get really anxious about stuff that's like permanent or stuff that, yeah. or semi-permanent or stuff that gets worse before it gets better. Like that's very, some, that's, that's something that I get very anxious about beauty uh, procedure wise is like, how long do I have to hide? How long do I need to, you know, like, cause there's always like, well, the first two weeks will be bad. And then the second two weeks you'll be back to where you were. And then after that, you'll be good. And you're like, okay, let me just get my calendar out and repeat that to me so I can schedule all social engagements accordingly. <laughs> yeah, right. And that's why I feel the same way with the chemical peel because mm-hmm. I really have to hide for maybe four or five days or else people think I have an, a problem. Like, oh, it's like dry skin. Like, 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 don't think that we're having an allergic reaction or a bee stung us or we have a sunburn or something. Yeah, like I was peeling so bad my husband had to go in the other room and eat dinner because he said, <laughs> oh, I, no. can't, I can't look at you. But you were happy with the results? Yeah, the results are great. And now I get would it you, done. Would you do it again? Yeah, I get it done every six wow. weeks. And does it get um, easier? Like, does your skin react less um, to it now that it's sort of used to it or not really? Stephanie has a better has a much better I'm not as sensitive as you I am so sensitive chemical peels are really good for me but I I really can only do them like three or four times a year Stephanie yeah. Stephanie's skin just isn't like mine I don't know She's I probably I, more used to it now or or does it is it the same every time I don't know I think every time it's it's kind of different but yeah. it depends it depends on like your hormones or like what you're doing or or the sun. If, if you have any sun yeah 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 so anyway um you have the next two are kind of joint but it reminded me a little bit of when I first saw like the advertisement for difficult people you this Mm -hmm. is what you said you said you'd never you're never going to look boring everyone will remember you and I feel like that's something don't you feel like that like that was like a big like when you when you saw like the first maybe like advertisement for difficult people like that was my first thing like this is not going to be a boring show like this is going to be good yeah. Look, I, I think that is such an incredible compliment, even though people are like, well, that's not always good. But I really think that, especially now in the like enormous landscape of television where there are a thousand shows, there really are. Like you, you talk to people and they're like, oh, I just started watching Lodge 49. And you're like, what the hell is that? I've yeah. never heard of that <laughs> right. It's like our mom is obsessed with Netflix. Our dad calls her horizontal Jan because he always sees her <laughs> laying down on the couch but she knows every Netflix ep- show movie and she'll do the same thing she'll say to us girls did you watch the show uh-huh. and 99% of the time we have not not seen it nor heard of it yeah so. because it's just like people don't have it's not like when you were in you know junior high you're like oh did you see 90210 last night mm-hmm. it's like no right like, it's nothing like that some people don't have Netflix or Hulu or you know there's just so there's no, no one like has like a, a common it's not like something that we've all seen in the way that like I guess sports games or award shows sometimes can be that but the 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 point being that like in that kind of really crowded landscape anything that isn't boring is good like that's kind of also as someone that watches as much TV and reads as much and sees as many movies as I do but the cardinal sin is just boring me like that that in itself I think is almost worse than something that like offends me like oftentimes it just offends me because oh you had this opportunity to like grab my attention and you blew it um or things are too slow or you just don't connect with the characters so 
even if someone has like a strong reaction in the opposite direction, as long as you're not boring, I feel like you're already ahead of the game in so many, I think so so I just, yeah, I think not being boring is so underrated. Right. Right. It's like, I feel like when you're a kid, you maybe don't love your red hair. And then when you get older, Mm -hmm. People will always remember you. And I feel like there, before How to Be a Red High, when I would have these random jobs, I was the worst employee, but I would always get these jobs. And I feel like they hired me because I was just memorable. Like maybe like they just yes. were like, oh yeah, that girl with the red hair. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I feel like it was a huge advantage even to this day. Like it's such a huge advantage wherever I go. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. And then, and then alternately, you have to run into people at parties and they're like, hi. And you're like, who the hell are you? I have absolutely no idea who you are. Um, and they really know you. They remember your yeah. red hair. They certainly do. That's definitely something that you have uh, going for you in certain ways. And your third tip was embrace being different always. Come on. Red is beautiful and deep down you know it too. So that ties in everything that we were saying about, you know, how it is to be a redhead and the lifestyle. And so I guess. I just, yeah, I, I just can't believe that anyone deep down doesn't know that they're gorgeous with this hair. Like it's just, I know that sometimes it can be a little, you know, you feel a little restricted by the way people see you or how your identity is defined by it or whatever your experience was when you're a little kid or not wanting to stand out all the time. But at the end of the day, like I just, I I have to believe that redheads know how cool it is to be different and how cool it is to be, special and maybe it's not always the best thing but ultimately I, I I just can't imagine being anything else I know and Julie before we go I feel like mm-hmm. there's one topic we have to talk about yes which is Basset Hounds. Hounds oh my god I can't <laughs> wait to talk about Basset Hounds is where did Basset your Hounds obsession you start what's her, what's his name Eddie Jack <laughs> <laughs> oh my dogs Jack and Sam I was so close. <laughs> Eddie, was Eddie, so close. Is, Eddie, Eddie is a Eddie, really good name. Eddie might be the I next Basset Hound name. So on our show, we had four Bassets all together. We had, I know. We had two. Yeah, we had uh, Martha and Otis oh. were, the, were the dogs in the first two seasons. Oh. And then not in, for reasons of having nothing to do with Martha nor Otis. Uh, but we went with a different animal handler for season three. And he brought his own dog. So we had... Um, we had Tia, um, like the Latin name for um, uh, aunt. Uh, we had Tia and Eddie um, as the as the two great dogs names. in the the fight. Oh, they were they were great dogs. Tia was like I love like older gals. Like Tia was like a little senior. Like she had some white in her. <laughs> oh, she had some, some more white in her face. Eddie was a little like, what are we doing? And where can I smell things? Um, but he was ultimately very professional as well. Were they but mischievous they, on set? Yes! Because Adrian's yeah. two dogs are very mischievous. They're not good dogs. Like, I'll tell you right now. I love them, but when people are, like, looking for, like, are they obedient? Are they, like... No, no they're not. No, they're not. But but then people are like, oh, so they're dumb. And you're like, it's not that they're dumb. They just don't want to do tricks that you want them to do, and they don't want yeah. to do them. Yeah, they don't want to listen to anyone. No, they really don't. They're, they're not because also the other thing about Bassett's, like the second animal handler we worked with, had the greatest quote about them, and that was when I knew I was going to hire him because I was like, "Oh, you totally get it." He's like, "They are a dog attached to a nose." They are. So I love that. You're really, you're really hiring the nose first. Like you have a nose <laughs> before you have a dog. That dog is 
Like everything about that dog is built to accommodate this amazing nose. Like his ears are long so he can like keep the scent closer to his face. His wrinkles exist so he can hold the scent closer to him. He's low to the ground so he can track the scent. It's like that dog is all nose. And if you're telling him, look over here and he smells something that's like (laughs) cheese or some sort of old cardboard that has like information that somebody may have peed on it three years ago. Like we don't know, but (laughs) you have to be, you have to approach working with them knowing that they have their mind wherever their nose is. And that's something you need to kind of work with. So the the dogs on the show didn't have a lot of uh, stage direction. (laughs) They just (laughs) did whatever they wanted. Mostly it was like, okay, it would be great if they could come to me in this shot. And sometimes that would happen, and sometimes oh, it would yeah. take a few takes. But um, but yeah, like by no means were we giving them anything like they would give like you know a Jack Russell or a Lab or like other breeds that you know will like <laughs> will learn all kinds of tricks. Like these dogs <laughs> were really they, they knew they were there because they were beautiful. They were like we're models first, actors second. They really are so beautiful with their long velvet ears. I just like, I love them so much. And all this I, I think they're the most beautiful dog. And I can't be in a bad mood when I see one walking because oh, they're, yeah. the way they, the way they move and just how they like have, they move their weight like back and forth is so funny. How did you met Dean the Bassett? Mm. How was how- that? It was amazing. It was probably the best day of my life. (laughs) Oh, my God. I saw you guys took a picture on a New York City bench, right? We had a really good, uh, there were sparks. We had a good first date. I'm excited to see what becomes of it. Um, (laughs) Dean, for those who don't know, is um, an Instagram star. Very, very good looking Instagram celebrity. And he lives in Toronto with the two nicest people you've ever met. Um, he, you know, he lives with this couple and the, the, um, Carly, the, I think, I think they're married. The wife, I, um, never grew up with facets, but her husband did. So he had one as a little boy. And so they decided they were going to get that breed. And of course they are completely in love. And the videos they make with Dean, the Basset Hound. They're so well so done. Funny. So I well done. Like I'm the like, best things think on of these. TV in a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. episode, I'm like. Everybody shut up. <laughs> Me too. We're the exact same way. We're like, oh my God, how did they come up with all this dialogue? And he's such a good dog though. And he, he has, is. He has great outfits. Guy. Is it? Is well, it the outfits it, are the best parts of those, yeah. of those shorts that they make. And especially the one where they dress him up like a Mountie, like a Canadian Mountie. Yeah. <laughs> There's one I think they put out on Canada Day that was like, the mystery of like someone stole his maple syrup. I it's saw that. Thing, it's, it's so probably, funny. I've probably watched it more times. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen Citizen Kane from beginning to end, but I've seen that video more times than I care to admit. It's so important. And, oh my God, and he's on greeting cards. He is? He's yeah. on greeting cards at World Market and CVS. Like he is, he's, well, he's really beautiful. up there. He I know. He really beautiful. is like probably the best looking Bassett. Like, I feel like he's a great ambassador, so to speak, for the breed because <laughs> people so. see him and they're like, oh my God, like, is that a Basset hound? And you're like, yeah, they all look like that. Get the, get one now. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to get one, Julie? I wouldn't, um, my cat wouldn't be happy about oh, it. Oh, true, true, true. And, and, you know, when I adopted him, I was like, his happiness is my priority and I'm just going to make sure anytime you adopt a shelter animal, 
um, or a rescue, like I feel like part of the fun, the best part of having a, an animal that came from like circumstances that were not so good is um, is spoiling them rotten and, it's and very treating true. them. You get to pretend that you're Daddy Warbucks and they're Annie, yeah. and and you're like everything is yours now. You're the prince, and you're gonna you have know. the best life. Yeah, yeah, and you like hold them, and you're like I'm gonna take care of you forever, and you're so dear to me, and then <laughs> then you realize that. It's three in the morning and you should really be going to bed instead of talking to your cat all the time. But <laughs> Oh my but yeah, god. He's, he's he's the prince and then, you know, in case I if I move to like a bigger place it might be a conversation. Um, you know, if he he, he isn't great around other animals, Jimmy, like he gets a little aggressive. Jimmy. So I would I love that. I name. know. Good I know, name. Jimmy Jazz. <laughs> he came with the name he came with the name Jimmy. When I adopted him, his name was already Jimmy. I added Jazz because he's so jazzy looking. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a good little guy. Well, Julie, the the Huffington Post, I don't know when they wrote this, but they said that you're one of the comedians that could that could possibly follow Conan on TBS. So before we go, what's next for you? (laughs) I'm working on. uh, Well, that's very flattering. Um, And um, does Conan still have a show? I think he's like changing it to half an hour. He is. It is. is. Yeah. I like Conan, but I, I have to say, like, watching those talk shows is just something that I kind of like don't do anymore like I guess I watch clips the next day when they're too. we do too but, yep yeah but isn't that funny that that was like a few years ago and just things changed so quickly everything's um, so digital yeah uh, yeah yeah um and I listen to podcasts for interviews honestly I think now that I think about it more than I did when that stuff came out but anyway that's just to say I have uh two tv shows that are in development right now at two different mm-hmm. networks that's um, so awesome I yeah it's exciting I really hope you know this TV development is tough because it takes a really long time to, you know, they at first, and same thing with difficult people. Like I had already written that script, so we had pitched it. And then once people were interested, then we had a little bit of money to make a pilot and then they didn't like the pilot. So we took the pilot to Hulu and then Hulu picked it. So there's all these steps and it can take years. So I'm being as patient as I can be while these things sort of, you know, land and, and hopefully people, you know, take the next step with them. But um, beyond that, I would love to, um, I'm, I'm sort of like tinkering around on a play and I would love to write another book. I'm just not exactly sure what the, you know, concept of it or the title would be, but I, I do miss writing like nonfiction, first person, like yeah. funny essays. So I would love to do more of that. Yeah. Well, you're lucky you're a redhead and you, you know, you're never boring. So you're always I have, to you say, have a lot of stories. I think, I think you guys are doing such an amazing thing for the community because and this is something you know not to name drop but if I'm gonna drop names they're only gonna be redhead royalty and Miss Julianne Moore Oscar winner Julianne Moore told me who's by the way as far as like celebrities are concerned like nobody's cooler no one nicer smarter she's the best she's the coolest chick um but she told me that every time she sees a redhead on the street she smiles at them because she's like it's a secret society it really is and you have to like, you have to be, you know, you have to have sisterhood and you have to like look out for your fellow Reds. And I'm just really, it's it's nice to be, it's a good club to be a member of. I'll put it that way. It totally is. It's the best club. If I saw <laughs> Julianne Moore on the street though, I think I'd have to go and give her a hug. And she, she, will, she will return it because of your 
fabulous hair and also you tell her that you know me so she doesn't call the police (laughs) (laughs) well thank you so much thank you julie thank you you guys it's a pleasure talking to you as always i'll talk to you soon okay Okay, talk to you soon okay thanks again okay bye. bye How great is she? Oh my God, she's amazing. I know. I just, I feel like she's literally a sister, Stephanie, like a third of us. Right. And she's (laughs) so empowering. She's so empowering. And I just, that's why I love How to Be a Redhead so much because I feel like it gives confidence to so many people. But for people like her, obviously everyone can use confidence, but she just emulates it. And I feel like you can just hear it in her voice. And I'm so excited for her TV shows that I know that they're going to get you know, rave reviews, like everything else she's done, literally. And I think it's important because she relates to a lot of girls and women, you know, women in general, and especially aspiring, fumbling on my word, (laughs) actresses. And even if you're not trying to be an actress or a comedian, she really teaches me personally about just being who you are. Don't give an F. Yeah. And just rocket. And yeah, I really, yeah. I look up to her. She was awesome. I know. And with this whole theme of, you know, red hair is more than a color. It's a lifestyle. I think she was the perfect guest to be on. And I just, you know, I'm, I'm ever more appreciative of my hair, like after this podcast, because I'm like, wow, it is such a community because when we're writing stuff online or reading what writers have written, or I see things on Instagram, it's kind of just, you know, on your phone, on your computer. But when you're hearing it and you're talking with someone, I it feel like- you- yeah. Think to yourself, oh my gosh, I have red hair. Yeah. And it's cool to know if we were to see Julianne more, <laughs> we could give her a big hug. I know. <laughs> as long as we say we know Julie. So she doesn't call the police. I love that. But yeah, she just, she is a shining redhead star. I know. I know. Well, we have so many more topics to cover. It's unbelievable. Um, I feel like this is only the surface. So we look forward to talking to all you beautiful redheads on a future episode of the H2 Bar podcast. And make sure if you haven't already done so, subscribe and follow us on social media. It's how to be a redhead and rock Rock it like like a redhead. redhead.